Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. Our broadcast today comes from our most recent MetaStrategy Digital Symposium, and the topic we tackled was talent's strategic role in making transformations stick. The panelists who joined us to cover it were Sastri Dervasila, the Chief Information and Client Services Officer of TIAA, and Rahman Richards, the Chief Information Officer of Fannie Mae. The gentleman who led the conversation was MetaStrategy partner and East Coast lead, Alex Krauss, who joins me now. Alex, welcome. Thank you, Peter, for the welcome. Uh, I am excited to join for yet another MetaStrategy Digital Symposium. And I'm very excited about uh, the topic as well as about the two panelists who will join me today. Well, Alex, as I noted just a moment ago, the topic was talent's strategic role in making transformations stick. Talent is certainly a much talked about topic these days for very good reason. Talk a bit about your perspective on why this was an appropriate topic for us to tackle at the symposium and why Sastri and Rahman were the appropriate personifications of it. Well, talent generally is a uh, important topic, uh, but I think we have seen over the last uh, months and really three years uh, that talent is more important now than ever. Uh, given the scarcity of talent uh, across uh, many enterprises, uh, but specifically in certain um, positions that are relevant uh, for technology. Uh, the two leaders who join me today uh, work with really large teams and organizations and have both undergone significant transformational efforts, uh, and they have rightly focused on talent by doing so. Uh, we know based on uh, research that 60% of transformations fail because of inadequate talent management. And we're going to learn today how to avoid those mistakes and uh, what else to learn from people who have done this successfully. Thanks for that overview, Alex. Well, let's get into the conversation. It's talent's strategic role in making transformation stick with Sastri Dervasula of TIAA and Ramon Richards of Fannie Mae with MetaStrategy's own Alex Krauss. Today, I'm joined by uh, two CIOs from two Fortune 100 financial services institutions that know a thing or two about transformations and talent. Uh, I'm joined here by Raman Richards of uh, Fannie Mae and Sastri Duvasala, uh, the CIO and uh, Head of Client Services at TIAA. Uh, as you may already know, uh, Fannie Mae is a uh, US government sponsored entity uh, that was established during the Great Depression uh, to expand the secondary mortgage market. Uh, it has a net worth of $60 billion uh, and uh, total liquidity provided to mostly low and middle-income households in 2022 was $684 billion. It has more than 7,000 employees. Uh, Rahman um, has been the uh, CIO of Fannie Mae uh, since he took that job in 2021. He's been with Fannie Mae for more than 20 years in more than six different roles, mostly in technology. Rahman, uh, welcome to the panel. Alex, glad to be here. Uh, and then TIAA, uh, another uh, well-known acronym. The company serves more than 5 million clients and has over 1.3 trillion assets under management. It's worth remembering that TIAA was founded by Andrew Carnegie, uh, who famously said, no man can become rich unless he enriches others. And obviously, one of the reasons we are here is to enrich one another. Uh, Sastry uh, joined TIAA um, as a CIO and client services officer in 2022. Um, he's been uh, a uh, technology and data uh, leader for more than 20 years and last served as the global chief technology and digital officer at McKinsey and Company. Uh, Sastri, uh, welcome uh, to the panel. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. We heard already uh, that transformation and talent really go hand in hand. And uh, both of you and your organizations have gone through significant transformations and uh, talent has been a part of that. Sastri, uh, let's start with you. I think it's interesting that uh, I believe you have six uh, strategic pillars uh, at TIA that you operate against. 
and I believe that talent is a key component of, of many, if not all of these six pillars. And I wonder if you can tell us a little bit uh, why that is so important. Yeah, I think obviously, you know, we live in a, an era where um, everything is changing so dramatically with technology. And I have the privilege to lead the global technology organization and our global client services organization. So I have uh, two hats in my role. And the six pillars you referenced, one of the main pillars is talent. And the mm -hmm. purpose of these pillars is really to power the business strategic shifts that we have at TIA as we essentially march into the next century of TIA and fuel innovation while transforming the core. So talent undoubtedly is a critical piece of it because it not only enables the technology and client services that we need to deliver, but because we have been on such a massive transformation journey now, and we are in year two uh, of the journey and we have several years to go, uh, we placed a very special focus on talent all the way from the leadership talent to the ground level uh, team that actually makes it all happen. And we've, pro we've placed a lot of focus on um, making sure that we're not only emphasizing the craft, uh, which obviously you know, is, is an important element in every role, whether you're an engineer or a designer or a product manager or a business owner or a client services professional or a fraud specialist, but we, we placed equal emphasis on the people leadership skills. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's very important because, uh, and I, I often uh, call this the leadership operating system. So what is your leadership operating system? While you're upgrading constantly the technical skills, um, are you upgrading your leadership skills? Are you focused on the culture? Are you focused on ensuring that the client voice is heard? Are you focused on the organizational savviness? Are you focused on you know, enduring a transformation journey? Because there are days of transformation that you feel really excited about. And then there are days uh, you feel like, what did I get into, right? So it, it requires a different level of uh, endurance uh, of leadership to go through it. And, and most importantly, really, can you motivate others to rally behind this massive transformation, right? So I think that's why we placed a lot of emphasis on culture. Uh, so everything started with strategy. We got into the operating model. We got into the talent pillars. But then we placed emphasis on making sure that this talent is focused on the culture, uh, inclusion, uh, especially you know in a post-pandemic era, there are so many microaggressions also that one needs to worry about in a hybrid setting. Uh, so needless to say, it's a big focus area for us and I'm quite excited about it. Um, the other thing I'll also mention is we are also making sure that we give cross-functional opportunities for our talent. So you could major in on a role that you have, but can you minor in on a different role? Uh, we have something called the Gigs Network to be launched. So it's, it's an exciting time. And I always say this to the team that complexity of the transformation is the ultimate reward. <laughs> well said. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I love that, you know, talent at the center of both strategy and operating model. Uh, and that's really, really wonderful and, and, and shows again how important this. Raman, you and, uh, and your colleagues at Fannie Mae uh, have also made talent uh, one of your key priorities. Uh, and I thought it was really interesting when we last spoke, you mentioned that not only is talent a critical success factor for you and Fannie Mae, but it's also something that you, a lever that you can pull to accelerate transformation. Uh, and you talked specifically about something Sastri mentioned already, the motivation or the energizing of the, uh, of the employees uh, and the organization at large. Can you talk a little bit more about your experience in that? Absolutely. And, and talent is an important accelerator for the transformation where we, we are undertaking. 
So Fannie Mae is using digital capabilities to transform uh, the way we conduct our business. And uh, there are two big areas of focus. One, modernizing our technology infrastructure, and then looking at where do we need to redesign processes and introduce more automation? So those are kind of some of the broad categories of focus. But underpinning everything that we're doing uh, is the talent and the successes and the momentum that we've been able to build. It really is about the talent that we've been able to empower and position for success. I, I can go back to 2019, kind of around the time where our transformation journey started. Initially, uh, in order for us to start, we, we hired some consultants and we hired some contractors to help us get off the ground. And they were bringing some skill sets that we didn't have the kind of depth we needed internally. Uh, but one of the realizations we had really quickly was we would not be able to scale and drive the type of change we wanted to drive through contractors and consultants. It really had to be our internal talent augmented with you know, some people that we attracted um, from the outside to help our team. And we, we at that point started to invest in uh, the right training programs to upskill our talent. So some of the training was about building our cloud skills and some of it was about creating more full stack engineers. Some of it was about maturing our agile capabilities. And I don't wanna kind of uh, minimize the importance of soft skills and some of the leadership skills that were important during this time as well. But we got really deliberate and focused about the investments into those skills, uh, which then allowed us to place individuals on our team um, on our transformation work. And what we noticed after a period of time, one, people were able to apply what they learned through training um, in real-time application pretty quickly and learn from each other, learn from their own experiences. Uh, we started to empower more of our employees based on the experiences they were gaining. And we were able to really start to scale the change we were making across enterprise in a very different way. So the empowerment, having the right skills, uh, providing the tools and support that our teams needed you started to see more people take the initiative within their agile teams to start to drive the change. We also established champions and change agents uh, mm -hmm. to help provide kind of on-ground support for our team. And the results have been an energized workforce. And we've been able to see through the metrics that we track, um, you know, kind of a real momentum shift after about 18 months of investing in, in our internal talent. Excellent, excellent, wonderful. And I can see a theme here. I think we heard during the data panel earlier that you know, grooming, upskilling, and investing in your existing talent is critically important. And I'm glad that you found that as well. And uh, you're well underway here. So we asked, like, uh, what skills do you most value in your team in the now more virtual next normal? Interesting. Uh, uh, customer or business focus uh, here, but uh, close second, no surprise, uh, virtual collaboration. And then also self-organization uh, featuring prominently. Uh, Sastri, any, anything in particular that you, uh, you notice, anything that surprises you? No, not at all. I think it's it's actually very much in line with how we are thinking about our own transformation, right? Start mm -hmm. with your customer and the business and the impact that you're really trying to deliver. Our core business is retirement, so which is basically every you know higher ed institution or medical uh, you know plan sponsored out there with a lot of participants, millions of participants. And then we have the wealth management business where we actually do you know personal advice. So if you think about the customer. It's a different set of problems that we're going to solve for institutions versus participants. 
I referenced virtual collaboration. Obviously, you know, in the hybrid new normal that we are in, um, there is probably nothing more important than this when it, when it comes to bringing teams together. And self-organization, I think it's an interesting one, especially when you think about agile and yeah, exactly. to yep. the point that Ramon made, like how you actually build these contemporary skills and how they're organizing themselves. So they definitely resonate with me, Ramon, what's your take? You know, I, uh, I wasn't surprised, right? I, I think in the environment that we've been operating in, this hybrid one, collaboration is important. Business focus, they go hand in hand. Um, I, I think the other one, maybe if there was a surprise, uh, the importance of communication also has been um, really, really an area of emphasis for us. Uh, you know, as we have more people who are on video calls back to back to back, making sure we're memorializing decisions, we're disseminating information in the right way. Um, we, we've had some early learnings around how do we do that uh, efficiently, but, but no surprises. Wonderful. And as we transition kind of to the next topic, I just want to stay on one, one aspect here that is part of the cross-cultural uh, aspect. I think both of you and your organizations are very invested in, in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, and I just wonder um, if you can speak briefly to like uh, how important you think uh, spending a little bit of time thinking about that uh, as you focus on your internal talent pool, but also go to the external talent market. Uh, how, how important is that for you? Obviously, um, every business needs diversity, equity, and inclusion for the business itself. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not a good thing to do, but it is the most important thing to do for any business to flourish. So. In fact, in our uh, retirement business, which is our core underpinning to go back to your reference of Carnegie and why TIA really started 100, and 100 plus years ago, you know, we are focused on retiring inequality. In fact, um, you might actually see my soccer ball here, <laughs> uh, which is for retiring inequality. So, um, and to retire inequality that exists out there, whether it's gender driven or race driven, we need people to think about solutions that they're building, products that they're building, services that they're building with that mindset. Mm -hmm. uh, so whether it's in technology or product management or business teams or servicing professionals, it's important to have that level of mindset from a just business point of view. The second thing also is culturally, uh, especially in these Fortune 100 companies that we are part of, it's very important to have inclusive team structure uh, so I personally, obviously, I'm privileged to be part of a global nonprofit outside of work called Growth in Tech, where I serve as yes. a board member. And, I've been, and it's 100,000 plus members globally operating in 60 countries. So, uh, but we have forged a number of partnerships. We have partnerships with Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers. We have partnerships with Blacks in Tech. We have partnerships with Girls in Tech. So we're trying to bring that external point of view as well as we build this team so that our voice is not only heard internally and with our clients, but even with technologists that want to be having a career and making a real impact in people's lives. Wonderful, and, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, let me just add a couple of thoughts. Um, one, we, we view diversity as foundational to our success as a company. Yeah. And we're very focused on uh, ensuring that our pipelines of, of talent are diverse. We partner with several organizations to help ensure that we get to those outcomes uh, we've been very focused on women in technology as well. Uh, we've been also focused on, you know, when it comes to um, some of our diverse groups, how do we provide the right support? What are the organizations outside of Fannie Mae that we can partner with that help build and groom those individuals for future leadership uh, positions? So 
foundational to uh, our success in an area of heightened focus, especially as we're kind of navigating very different uh, times. Yeah, wonderful. No, thank you so much for sharing that. And both of you mentioned the importance of uh, focusing on retention and investment in existing talent. Ramon, I think you spoke a little bit uh, about uh, the approaches that you have taken uh, in your transformation and more generally to retain talent. Can you speak a little bit about what you believe works well or what lessons learned from that? Absolutely. So, you know, we, we clearly got to a point pretty quickly on our transformation where we knew that our success was going to be based on our investment in our internal talent. Um, we also had a second realization, especially as um, tech, demand for technology de talent really surged in 2021, that we can't sustain the momentum on our transformation mm -hmm. if, if we are losing all of the people that we're investing in and that we are training and building expertise uh, to drive our work. So uh, we've partnered closely with our human resources teams and other partners across the company uh, to really amplify some of the important programs that we have in place. So I've already talked about continuous learning opportunity, creating time and space for the training and upskilling. Second, uh, ensuring that our compensation and benefit packages are competitive as we navigate an evolving landscape. Uh, we've also been very focused, and this is a new area of focus for us, on internal talent mobility, recruiting within. So we've learned a lot about some of our junior talent and their desire for more change than maybe we're historically used to. And so we have been focused on how do we create those opportunities within moving away from times maybe where managers wanted to keep their teams intact and thinking about what's in the best interest of Fannie Mae. And then I'll, I'll end with um, kind of the fourth area of focus has been our hybrid work model. So we have really put an emphasis on flexibility. We don't have minimum days required in the office. Uh, we do encourage in office participation for really purposeful events. Um, and we have received really positive feedback from our employees with these mix of actions that we've taken. And Sastri, I think uh, there's some 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 good uh, follow-ups here, uh, but, but uh, I, I want to ask you to talk a little bit more about uh, you know what you call the perfect time for upskilling and reskilling. I think you talked about the different driving forces that are at play here and I wonder if you could explain that uh, to our audience. Well I think you know obviously I'm preaching to the choir here considering the audience but technology is changing so rapidly in front of us and um, and it will continue to change and chat GPD was just released what a month and a half ago two months ago uh, so the world is so different and the speed with which uh, things will move and continue to move uh, obviously is an important uh, element that a force that plays into it. I think the second thing is more importantly, the businesses are changing. Uh, so yep. the, the institution, and I think to Ramon's point on like institutional knowledge and internal talent, I think that level of knowledge base itself is morphing so fast because the businesses are changing. That's a big driving force. Cyber threats are changing, obviously. You know, the bad actors are getting more powerful at this point, and mm -hmm. AI is only going to make it worse and, and, you know, make them even more powerful. So uh, forget about, you know, cyber after quantum, et cetera, but just the problems that we have today, uh, I think, are, are, are quite dynamic. You know, economy is changing uh, in front of us, and there's a lot of geopolitical issues. So if, if now if you consider all of this, customer expectations is changing, especially post-pandemic. So there is nothing more important than upskilling and reskilling continually, right? So I always talk about intentional learning. Um, like even in this conversation, what am I learning subconsciously, right? So if you're intentional about it, you're always learning something, right? So I think intentional learning is important. 
upskilling the craft is extremely important, you know, cloud or whatever the contemporary skills that are needed, but acknowledging that we are not, as I always, as an engineer myself, we shouldn't be code wed. We cannot be wed to what we built or the current technology because it's gonna change eventually. So to kind of give an example to the point that I made earlier on guild network. So we built uh, six or seven guilds now uh, and they're focused on cloud, you know, cyber. You can, you can imagine what those different skills are. And we invite every colleague in the company, the whole company, they can participate into these guilds and they can learn and they can get certified and they get like, there's a gamification process involved, there's channels that are like buzzing about this, et cetera. But we are at the same time launching what we are calling internally guild gigs. So where a, a colleague can actually do a major in, in their current role, in his or her role, but uh, the colleague can also do a minor in a different role. So as an example, I have fraud customer service professionals who are on my client services uh, side of the house they can, let's say, train in cyber, get certified, and then actually do a minor gig um, in cyber. And over time, we expect them to grow into a cyber career or vice versa, right? So I think upskilling, reskilling is paramount to you know the, the industry forces that we're dealing with right now. Wonderful. Raman, I, 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 uh, I have to admit, I want to make you a little bit uncomfortable now. I'm going to ask you an ancestry in the last minutes that we have uh, in something that CIOs don't usually like to do. I'd like you to, ask, uh, to look at your crystal ball a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Sastri mentioned kind of the relationship between technology uh, and, and the humans, and he specifically referenced AI. And we all know that one of the hottest topics uh, being discussed right now is generative AI, specifically ChatGPT. And I just wanted to get your take uh, on, on what you believe this relationship between, uh, you know, uh, evolving technologies, uh, generative AI specifically, uh, and humans are. Uh, not just for Penny May, but but for technology and business more generally speaking. Thank, thanks for that question. And uh, obviously, this is an evolving topic. Um, and anytime there's something new and potentially game changing with technology, I go to my advisor, who's my 12 year old son, who gave me a tutorial on ChatGPT and the things that his him and his friends are ex exploring. Uh, you know, for me, my takeaway was obviously we're entering into a new phase of generative AI, accessibility, ease of use, a lot of excitement and a lot of positive potential in terms of how we can make all of us more efficient and a lot of different applications of where this can show up uh, in our different businesses. That being said, uh, you know, I think a lot of us are in the position where we can't get too excited about the positive applications. We've got to think about <clears throat> the guardrails that we have to put in place to ensure that uh, back at bad actors don't use this same type of uh, technology to harm, cause harm to our company. So uh, we are very focused on determining what are the right guardrails. How do we ensure um, as we explore um, and keep up with uh, kind of these advancements uh, in generative AI uh, that we can apply and leverage them in a safe way. Um, and again, that we're protecting the company from bad actors. So. Right now, our focus is on guardrails and making sure that we're well positioned to uh, explore as things evolve. So some excitement, but cautiously uh, navigating. Very well said. Sastri, I know we only have two minutes left uh, and we can't do it justice, but uh, with your client services head on, uh, what do you think are the, the main things that you have in mind when you think about this relationship? I think you know technology is more and more getting into you know how best we can create personalized and hyper-personalized experiences for our clients, right? And 
I'll just, uh, in, in, in the minute we have, I'll just reference to your question that you just originally asked and then link it back. So by, by quoting Bill Gates, which is a quote that I always quote, uh, which one of my favorite quotes, like Ramon went to his 12 year old, I'm gonna go to Bill Gates quote. Um, we always overestimate the change that's gonna happen because of technology in the next two years and underestimate the change that's gonna happen in the next 10 years. So if we look back a decade, things that we were considering as flashy you know, objects are probably mainstream and some of them actually completely faded away, right? So I think to go back to the crystal ball question and link it back to my client services, we are actively deploying AI, you know, for example, in our client services, we have a strategic partnership that we're public about with Google as an example. Um, but we also see this as an opportunity where our client services professionals can be augmented with skills that they can actually excite the client, you know, participants and plan sponsors that we work with even more. So that's the crystal ball for me, at least for the next two, three years. Yeah. Wonderful. That, that's wonderful. And I, 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 I really, I have to thank you. We're coming up on time here. So much more to discuss, hopefully more opportunities to do so in this forum and, and outside of this forum, but really appreciate you. Thank you, Rahman. Thank you, Sastri.